Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Mark Cox here along with my partner, Bo Matthews, and producer Carl Middleman. Hi. Yeah, great to have you in here with us uh, this weekend. And things are heating up, man. It is summertime. and uh, You've already been camping, right? Ain't that the truth. Uh, do you have air conditioning in that camper of yours? Well, of course I do, Bo Matthews. Right, but does it, does it keep up? Uh, it does now. I mean, if you walk into it, it's got it's got a single roof mount air. It's thirty feet long. It's got a single roof mount air conditioner, and uh, it's 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 piped into the f- uh, other parts of the camper uh, through vents. But if you walk in and it's been off and it's ninety five degrees in there, it takes a while to cool off. You want to you want to yeah. you want to kind of keep it on all day long. On okay, auto. so the maiden yeah. voyage of twenty twenty three camping uh, went well for you last weekend. You know, I, I'll tell you, uh, we we're a little later in the show. We're going to talk to somebody who's talking about the Lake of the Ozarks and a hundred things you can do there before you die. And uh, fascinating book. And I'd been to the Lake of the Ozarks State Park down there for Memorial Day before, and I I just I tell you what, the if you don't have a big boat. It's not always a great place to be on Memorial Day weekend. So we decided that all we have right now currently is a jet ski. So we chose to go east, and we went to Rend Lake and stayed at the campground over there, uh, one of the state park campgrounds. And we had a fantastic weekend. It was not overly crowded. Uh, There are good-sized boats out there, but you don't feel like you're going to get swamped even on a jet ski. And we we had a great weekend. Yeah. Okay, so it's in your in your trailer. So you have your truck pulling your trailer, bumper yes. hitch or fifth wheel? A bumper hitch. Okay, and did you put the trailer of the of the Wave Runner or whatever jet ski on the back of that? We took two vehicles. We hauled the jet oh, ski separately. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just okay. To, and, you I'm know, a, actually, on the way back, it's funny you mentioned that because we were talking about that on the show not all that long ago. Is it legal to tow something if you if you have a truck and a trailer and then a third thing behind that? Which and we, it is. Yeah. we determined that it is, although there are length uh, limitations on how long the whole rig can be, depending on the state that you're in. Um, I still don't think I wouldn't be comfortable doing it. But on the way back, I saw a truck with a trailer with a four by four on a on a trailer yeah. hooked onto that pole trailer. 
on, as I was coming back. And the guy seemed to be handling it just fine. I don't know if that I'd be comfortable doing that. but be rough and uh, windy weather. But uh, you had a good time, though, relaxing by the campfire, oh, good food. Beautiful weather uh, last weekend. You just couldn't have asked for more. Just cool enough in the evenings that a nice uh, fire in the fire pit uh, was uh, very comfortable and the bugs weren't bad. I mean, it was just yeah. it was gorgeous. Yeah, we had a great good time. Good for you. By, by the way, since this is Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors, I do want to share uh, that it does truly work. It's not cheap. Um, but uh, to avert from mosquitoes, to avoid mosquitoes, uh, Victoria's Secret's bombshell perfume is something I learned about from uh, the Duck Dynasty boys, the Robertson family, and it was like $80 for the bottle, but it does really work. Now, it, and there's another thing that a buddy of mine uh, shared with me over the weekend. There's a, I forget what it's called. It's a like a battery-operated uh, cell something. I wish I had the name at the top of my head, but... Uh, it, it like keeps mosquitoes away like for 15 or 20 feet. Then I saw one at Costco. It was like 50 bucks. But, hey, it, whatever keeps the mosquitoes away, you got to do it. But yeah. bombshells the perfume <clears throat> if you haven't tried that. From Victoria's Secret. Yeah. Do, do you know Victoria's Secret? She was made uh, up by yeah. a dude. He's an old, an old dude in Ohio, Ohio, according to the song that's popular right now that yeah. my daughter plays all the time. <laughs> I, I, well, I didn't know that part. <laughs> I, I don't know. Bo, is it Thermacell? Yes, that's it. That's it. Thermosol. And also they say that Avon's Skin So Soft also works. Huh. Oh, okay. If it's cheaper than Victoria's Secret, uh, I'll, I'll try it. But All I'm I know just, is that we I, call went, it, go I, ahead. I went to Minnesota one time, and we had something with supposed to have a, a deep woods off with deed in it or something, and the mosquitoes feasted on that stuff. Yes. So I can just That's tell candy. you it always work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those things are big as grapes, too. Yeah. Uh, so to try and manly it up for me, I'll say to my wife, honey, get me the stink party. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, it helps, doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, this is also a Second Amendment show, so we do need to talk about this. Uh, one uh, tip of the hat to the federal judge in Texas who has temporarily blocked President Biden's new regulations on pistols with stabilizing braces. This is a response to a lawsuit from gun rights activists. Um, I, I think uh, the, the pistol brace thing is it's just part of the Second Amendment uh, world. I don't own one. I don't have one, but I do know people that have them and they love them. Have you ever shot a, a pistol with a brace? I have. And, and what do you think? Well, it it's silly to assume that it's more deadly than any other gun you would carry, which is why the ATF getting involved in this never made any sense from the beginning. Right. Um, criminals don't follow the law. If the, if the concern is... It, it looks like a rifle. It's a short-barreled rifle, but it's got a brace on it that could be put up to the shoulder that somehow it's going to be easier to conceal and you could walk in somewhere and commit crimes with it. The problem is law-abiding gun owners are not the ones causing the problem, but exactly. they are going to be the ones who are affected. Uh, the people who are law-abiding gun owners who legally bought what, in, what up until... The 31st of May was an accessory for your firearm are now potentially felons. That's the silly part of this is that if you if you own one of these now, other than this stay, I mean, they, they put a they put a, a temporary stay on it in the federal courts. Hopefully right. it gets thrown out because you've turned 
tens of thousands of legal gun owners into potential felons with a stroke of the pen by the ATF. And that is wrong. Congress should have to make those laws and change them, not just reinterpret them by a government agency. It is stabilizing your firearm. Why wouldn't you want it to be stabilized if you're a law-abiding gun owner? Thank you. It's a, it's a stabilizer. Uh, it's like saying uh, that uh, laser dot scopes are illegal now. Oh, because they they make it more accurate? Are you kidding me? You know, you wait. Hey, we thought it was crazy. Uh, we're seeing a lot of stuff that we that people are saying. Well, that's crazy. Well, they're still pushing hard against it, and this is about ridiculous. And I did come up with an idea uh, that if they do get banned. Um, I'd love to have a weed eater brace just on my arm. Then I could I could weed eat my yard <laughs> with just one arm. Well, they no, were seriously. originally designed for people who had problems like that, right? Who Physical, maybe were yep. missing an arm or, or, or something and had a hard time controlling it, and they could put the brace around their forearm and handle it a little more carefully. And that, that they've now decided might help the criminal element, and therefore they're making it illegal for legal gun owners. It It's... Silly season in America. Just like the fact that silencers um, are illegal. Suppressors. Mark. Suppressors. I'm sorry. Silencers, whatever. Well, they're not illegal. And and they don't, well, they're not illegal, but they're hard to get. They're highly regulated <laughs> as if that's going yes. to increase crime because it doesn't make it like the movies silent. It's just right silly. there again. Yeah. It also adds to accuracy. You can be more accurate because there's less of a recoil. There's less right. of the sound, the bang. Um, it's it's all just things. It's just technology, people. This is like uh, the new cars people buy that vibrate if you sway in your road. It's just <laughs> you're getting me fired up, Mark. I'm with you, Bo Matthews. You know that. Hey, I tell you what. Uh, coming up here on the show today, we got a good one for you. If you have ever been to the Lake of the Ozarks, I will guarantee you. There are things down there you didn't even know existed. And a local entrepreneur and author, Valerie Battle Kenzel, has written a book about it. A hundred things you need to do at the Lake of the Ozarks. Before you die. That's it with Bo Matthews. Has, <laughs> uh, has added a little drama to this. But uh, we'll talk to Valerie when we come back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.
It is Second Amendment Radio in the great outdoors. It's uh, Bo Matthews. There's Mark Cox. Carl Middleman is our executive producer, uh, also part of the show, really. He's kind of a third of a co-host. Um, and, you know, we love to get outdoors. This show morphed from just Second Amendment Radio, guns, 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 uh, to Second Amendment Radio in the great outdoors. And we like to investigate and uh, figure out and learn things of things you can do in the outdoors. Put the screen down. And we have uh, the author of 100 Things to Do at the Lake of the Ozarks Before You Die, <laughs> Valerie Battle Kinzel. She is a University of Missouri School of Journalism graduate, spent the last 40 years in uh, different writing-related positions, and we welcome her to the show. How are you, Valerie? I'm great. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for joining us on the uh, the Second Amendment and uh, Radio and uh, Great Outdoors show to talk about this. How long did it take you to put together the 100 things to do at the Lake of the Ozarks before you die? Uh, actually, not that long. Uh, we have been going to a family place for 41, 42 years, and um, we have people come from all parts of the country. So we always try to do something different try new restaurants, try new activities and events. And uh, so I had a pretty sizable been there, done that list to begin with. So when I was asked to do this book, I'm like, yep, I can do that. And uh, ended up having to uh, cross off a few things. I had more than 100. Oh, I'll bet you, I'll bet you <laughs> did. So just as a side note here, if you do an audio book version of this, for a very uh, reasonable price, Bo Matthews will say, before you die. Just like that. <laughs> he's, he's got that. He does that well, yes. <laughs> I'm sure that's how you envisioned it when you wrote the, the title, right? Um, no, but I like the twist. Yeah, it's very nice. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, uh, I'm a Missouri transplant. I moved here in about 93, and I have enjoyed the Lake of the Ozarks many, many times over the years. Uh, but you go down there, I guess, uh, as a visitor, if you don't have a home down there, and you, you probably kind of do the same things over and over again, like maybe go to the dam and the little shops down there and uh, the occasional restaurant or two. Um, so you said you actually you ended up with more than 100, probably because you've spent so much time down there, right? Yes, that's correct. And we have different people, like I said, from all parts of the country, different ages and stages. So we try to find things that everybody can enjoy to a certain extent. So there's more than just fishing and uh, party boats and <laughs> large pool parties. There's uh, It's beautiful outdoors. Haha Tonka, Lake of the Ozarks State Park is the largest state park in Missouri. And um, I, personally, I like to get out on a float or in a kayak and just kind of paddle around in a quiet cove. I'm not that party girl. You're not the party cove girl? No, sir. Is that on there, by the way? Is that, is that on the list? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I was introduced to the party cove many years ago, and, uh, and then I saw a documentary on it, kind of a, a spoof documentary, but... Um, yeah, I, we rented a houseboat one time down Lake of the Ozarks and it was, I don't know if it was a bachelor party, but it felt like it. And if you're not the, the guy that has rented the boat or the person that rented the boat, man, it sometimes feels like you are just stuck. But I did want to bring up, cause everybody knows the party cove. That's, that's what it is. But this book, not mentioning that you did mention at the front uh, that you, you picked out some restaurants and stuff. And isn't there a restaurant famous down there for deep fried lobster? 
Um, that one I'm not familiar with, to be honest with you. Um, I know there's a well, lot of great seafood restaurants like J.B. Hooks and Michael's and Bentley's, um, but I'm not familiar with the fried lobster. Maybe you're telling me something new I can include in the second edition. 101 things to do at the Lake of the Ozarks before you die. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, I grew up in Minnesota. I've been in St. Louis since 88, but I grew up in Minnesota and we used to go, hey, we're going up north. That's what we used to say. And I love the fact that uh, people in Kansas City, you know, the big, in St. Louis, the big metropolitan areas, you know, they, they do family vacations. They go down there every weekend or every other weekend during the summer because there is so much to do. Um, it, did the outlet mall make your list? No, it didn't actually because it is in transition, is my understanding. There's only about five or six stores left out of what used to be over 100. And wow. the, uh, the management apparently is going in a different direction. And I'm not sure. I haven't been able to ascertain exactly what that direction is. But, yes, that was a, a big uh, destination for a lot of people who yeah. would go down there. Yeah, for a long time. It, it really was. I mm -hmm. know that. And I know there there are big additions down there, like the, the Margaritaville uh, that they, they've opened up. And I mean, I haven't had a chance to go there yet, but it looks uh, looks pretty amazing. So, Valerie, if you if you um, without giving away too much from the book, do, do you have a maybe a top four or five things that you recommend in there? Do you have them ranked like that? Um, I don't have them ranked in the book. They're not in any particular order. They're by five different categories according to shopping or outdoor activities or food and beverage. Personally, my favorite is a place called Dog Days. And we have been going there since 1993 when it opened. It was a very small shack little restaurant. It's close to the uh, Grand Glaze Bridge. And when we first started going, there was actually a black Labrador retriever that rode on a sea-doo, and that was the dog of dog days. So since that time, it has just expanded and grown. It has two swimming pools now. It has all kinds of live entertainment during the warm weather months. And it's just a really fun, happy vibe type place to go. I, I personally like to, if I can snag a seat on the deck overlooking the lake channel and watch the traffic go by on the bridge and then watch the boats come by and watch the people. It's yeah. a great place to people watch. That's got to be one of the busiest uh, spots on the lake too, almost because that's where you get to that big long, no wake zone. If you're, if you're going over by the state park and it's just, it's just, yeah. a, it's an easy to get to location, even if you're going there by, by car, right? Right. Uh-huh. Yes. And um, my favorite adult beverage is the lake water, which I first had at Dog Days and I've had and sampled many times since. And uh, so if I can snag a chair and grab an adult beverage, I am a happy girl. Uh, uh, it's called lake water? Really? I, th I heard you're not supposed <laughs> to drink the water, kind of like Mexico. <laughs> well, so, it's so a little bit different Valerie twist and it looks a lot prettier. <laughs> Okay, let's hope so. Uh, Valerie, tell, tell us about things that, for people that have already read the book, 100 Things to Do at the Lake of the Ozarks Before You Die, uh, what, what were some of the shockers that people that have reviewed the book said, wow, I didn't even know about that? Um, the total number of gallons of water estimated to be in the lake. Any idea? And don't peek. Don't look at the front. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, a billion. 600 yeah. Billion, yes. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. And how much of that is clean? Uh, 
Actually, the uh, contamination is very low based on the volume of water in the lake, and it is checked regularly near the public beach areas uh, all during the warm weather months. So my family and I, we don't have any qualms about swimming in there. We get in it. We do uh, you know, skiing and boarding and tubing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's fun to find a cove. If you can just find a cove and kick back with some floats or some noodles and yeah. uh, on a beautiful day, it's it's just fabulous. That, that was always my favorite. Unless you're going on Memorial Day weekend, uh, then you might, have a, you might have a little more of a challenge if you're in anything less than a 30-footer out there, right? <laughs> yes, I was just down there last weekend, and yes, it was. Uh, I think the weather, the fact that we had a cold, rainy early spring, I don't know, but it was absolutely packed, and everybody was happy and jovial. I do know that our favorite swimming cove was uh, full. We didn't yeah. even try to go in there. So, uh, yeah. You know, I have a good. But, I have a good uh, friend who's probably been going down there for as long as you have, and he owns a he owns a house down there at about the two and a half mile marker. And I've been down there a number of times, and his observation is that the the lake has changed, and that the people going to the lake have changed a little bit. And uh, one of his observations is that a lot of the big a lot of the big boats that are out there people hire captains these days to run them for them and that there are more rental boats than he's ever seen in his life and a lot of people on the rental boats um aren't really sure what they're doing uh, yes i would say that's true um i i sometimes wonder why uh people who uh, are given rental boats don't get a quick safety um, yeah, it's just common sense, yes. you know, and um, we have seen uh, a, a boat of inebriated people pulled over and the Water Patrol does look for that. If you're driving in an unsafe manner, they will pull you over. If you are inebriated, they will um, escort you to the state park. And that walk of shame is not always fun if you've been partying all afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet not. That's so. Yeah, I, I remember the houseboat that we rented for a Party Cove weekend. I, I was shocked because nobody really knew what the heck we were doing. And uh, it, it was I, I wasn't in charge, so thank goodness for that. Um, you mentioned people watching. It's a great place to people watch. But, you know, one, one of the other pastimes that may or may not have made your list is the house watching, you know, making your way around different parts of Lake of the Ozarks, the different beautiful mansions and homes and monsters. You know, it's just, it's incredible what people have gotten done and built down there. That's got to be a great pastime for so many people. Absolutely. And I did mention it in the book because there has been for a number of years a debate about on a lake house, what is the front, what is the back? Because some houses are very, um, compact and small looking from the street, from the driveway. But if you go around back, they may be three, four levels. They may have tiered pools. And it is just, if you have access to a boat and just can go look and just house, just house observe, it's amazing. And, you know, for a lot of people, these are second homes. And I wonder, <laughs> wow. Excuse me, what's your first home like? Yeah, yeah. As, uh, as someone who also has a journalism degree, you look at that and you think, well, they didn't go to journalism school probably, right? 100 <laughs> hey. yeah. yeah. But you both get to go. Yeah, no um, do you, you don't happen to have You don't happen to have a list of, uh, like, famous people or, uh, you know, famous homes down there, do you? I do not. I actually have never seen anything like that. I have never known anybody. If they knew, 
that was willing to share that information. So um, I, I don't know. Um, some of these houses, you think, okay, that's got to be somebody that is professional that draws a huge salary. Um, and there are some Journalism that look graduate. like family compounds. <laughs> Too. Yeah, so. And they're probably all in the name of LLCs, too. You'll never know who owns them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, they can, so they can maintain their privacy. We're talking to a Valerie Battle Kenzel, who's the author of 100 Things to Do at the Lake of the Ozarks Before You Die. A great read, a great uh, read before you head down there this summer, because I'm certain as many times as I've been there, and I did have a boat there for a couple of years, uh, years ago, I'm, I know there are going to be things in there I, I've just never encountered because mostly I would go to directly to the dock where my boat was, and if I ate at a restaurant, it was probably just up the hill. And that lake it goes for miles. It don't, doesn't it have more more uh, shoreline than any any lake in in the United States? Is that right? Yes, yes. And so the main channel goes 92 miles, and so it's not just. A lot of people think it's just Lake of the Ozarks is Osage Beach and uh, the Camdenton area. It's not. It goes all the way over to Truman Dam and to Warsaw, Missouri. So it's 92 miles, and um, there's a lot to it. (laughs) Yes, no doubt about it. All right. Well, uh, I I just want to point out there that there are several places. I just did a Google search on who does deep fried lobster. Uh, and if you're, if it sounds delicious, it is, it but is. it doesn't taste much like lobster. Um, <laughs> Tucker's, I, I wanted to say the red herring possibly, but I don't see that on this the list. The blue heron used to have it. You're blue right. Heron. Is that still there? Do you yeah. know, Valerie? No, it's not. Okay. It is no longer there. Yeah, it was there for many years. And uh, there is a place called Tucker Shuckers. Uh, they specialize in oysters. Maybe they have fried lobster. I don't know. That's uh, more uh, on the, the strip, the okay. Bagnell Dam strip. Uh, yep. One review says, highly recommended the Cajun fried lobster. Okay, load it up. There you go. That's good. Well, uh, Valerie. Well, thank you. (laughs) You Yeah, add that to the book. Uh, Valerie, uh, where can people get the book? Is it on Amazon? Um, It is. It's also available through books at readypress.com. Reedy Press is a local South City publisher that does a lot of local interest books. This is one of a series of 100 things, bucket list books all over the country. And um, some of the the local retailers have them as well. Uh, Schnooks carries a lot of uh, Reedy Press books. Excellent. Uh, Valerie Battle Kenzel, we appreciate your time today. Uh, 100 things to do at the Lake of the Ozarks. Before you die. All right. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I was oh, waiting. Bo so took much. the cue perfectly. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, good to get her on here. Well done, Bo Matthews. Well done. Still to come on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors Before You Die, uh, we're going to talk to to a guy who is a trout farmer. I don't know that I've ever spoken to somebody who is a trout farmer, and, and you're going to be able to uh, see what he does in person at an event that's coming up. We're going to be back in just a minute. Member Radio and the Great Outdoors. I'm Bo Matthews, along with Mark Cox and Carl Middleman, and this segment is brought to you by Razorback Armory. Razorback Armory is not just a gun store; 
They're a gun concierge. And if you've never been, I encourage you to go into their store in De Pere on Manchester Road to meet Jesse and Brad. If you're looking for something specific, an accessory, a certain firearm, they can take care of all your needs. Check them out online at RazorbackArmory.com. And uh, just tell Siri, hey, take me to Razorback Armory, and it'll show up in your maps. Uh, this segment, uh, we are going to be talking about fish. And as part of the Two, Two Rivers Family Fishing Fair on Saturday, June 10th, we have Dave Emerson, Big Fish Emerson. He's a trout farmer and the vice president of Crystal Lakes Fisheries Family Trout Farm, Douglas County. And it's the number one ranked county for uh, aquaculture production in the state of Missouri. Welcome to the program, Mr. Emerson. How are you? Howdy, howdy. Good morning. Doing great. Good to have you on here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, How long have you uh, been involved uh, in in the trout industry, the trout farm industry? I was born in 1953, and the first telephone was six miles up the dirt road from the trout farm. (sighs) Wow. Dad bought the place (laughs) in 1950, and... They got to the phone and called all the neighbor ladies and the friends, and and I was born in the neighbor's house. So, <laughs> well, so you're in literally your entire life. Yeah, yeah. The, literally the, the the spring. The whole thing goes around the spring after World War II. Dad stayed in the Philippines for a little while and fly fished over there. So he came back uh, into the states and looked on the west coast. We were a Kansas City family, and a mail carrier said, "Hey, there's a big old fish farm down there on the ghost town of Larissa." Larissa had uh, carried the, it had the post office was only by, with horse and wagon in in the ghost town. Wow. So there's nothing left of the ghost town. And my daughter's name is Larissa, but it still shows up on the map when you're in Douglas County. We're about about 35 miles from the Arkansas line, right, kind of east and west, middle of the state. But the spring flows 10 million gallons of water a day, 7,000 gallons of water a minute. And there's room to have a trout hatchery there. And so Dad bought it, went to the courthouse, and, and uh, and then we all, we grew up here. And my brother and I, we both came back in the late 70s, and uh, uh, he stayed in the reserves, lieutenant colonel. He's all business, does it, everything works really hard. And we've worked side by side for, oh, gosh, 40-some years now. Wow. Well, that's yep. what what a great story. And you know, I think for most for most of us like when I when I've gone to Branson for example, I went to visit the the hatchery down there that sits near the dam. Shepherd uh, Hills, you bet. Yeah, and it's fascinating to me, but but I don't know that I've ever been to a family trout farm. G- give people an idea of what all goes into raising uh, these trout. You raise them from 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 hatchlings, I imagine. Uh, we have our own broodstock. We actually okay. have our own strain. We've been DNA'd so that they can tell if it's our fish that are wintering. Because uh, we'll, we can go up to 800 to 1,000 miles one way. We've got 10 wheaters. We can haul 4,000 pounds of trout. We actually uh, took trout to 47 state parks in the state of Illinois this year. And it, oh. it, some of them get 100 pounds. Some of them get 500 pounds. Some of them get three or 4,000 fish. And it just depends on whatever they need. Now, these kids' trout fishing ponds that we do, and you'll see those at the boat shows and so on and so forth, and there's different people that do them. And I've got, I've got a little 3,000-gallon circular, circular pool. I can fish about 20, 25 kids at a time. Fifteen works real well. And I've been doing these followed along with my dad. Oh, gosh, I went to the World's Fair in 1964 in New York City. I was 11 years old. And uh, they had three different uh, trout fishing places there. So, yeah, rode, rode, rode to New York in a 19, uh, 1956 international truck. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was an interesting experience. So, but doing these trout ponds, this was like 32 years or something like that for the fishing fair that we've been up there. And these kids have a good time. We'll probably fish 800 to 1,100 children 
on Saturday, and I'll bring up about oh six seven hundred trout, and um, Dave actually clean them for them and cook them for them up there. They've got a cleaning station. There's so many points of interest, but I get yep. you know, and we have to ice the water because the water needs to be in the fifties. So we like to ice it down to 50, 52, 55, and it takes about 2,000 pounds of ice. We put that in, oh, about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, then we put the trout in on, on opening day, which will be Saturday the 10th. Yeah. See, that's, that's what I recommend to my people that own pools, my friends that own pools. Go up to you know the, the gas station and get blocks of ice and put it in your pool, even if it's a redneck <laughs> above-ground pool that you bought at the farm store. That's what I do. Uh, uh, but back to the Crystal Lake Fisheries Family Trout Farm. Is it open to the public, or is it just for doing shows and stuff like that? Uh, we're not open to the public. I'll do kindergarten tours, agriculture tours. Uh, a lot of times Wonderful. we'll have... Uh, uh, Farm Bureau comes out and they'll come out and, and do a visit with this. We'll have ag teachers, FFA tours. Uh, sometimes it'll be a project. Uh, my son, my son did an FFA project in, in aquaculture. We just do the rainbow trout. Now there's other species that, of aquaculture things that you can do, but the spring's 59 degrees, and that's ideal for raising rainbow trout. And so we just specialize in just we have our own broodstock. We take our eggs, and we we'll, we actually have a lighthouse where we. 18 hours of daylight so we can take eggs twice a year so wow. so uh, we we do a fall of spawn about you know, November and December and then we do six months later a spring spawn and that lets us bring out bringing the trout on popular sizes three to the pound half pound trout uh, you know eight to ten inches will, will be about a half a pound and then in three quarters of a pound to a pound and a quarter we'll also raise up some four five six seven pounders uh, sometimes into special aquariums and out outdoor, uh, um, like these stores, and they'll have the big aquarium and they want yeah. some trout. Yeah. So we can specialize and we can take them. We'll go. We can go. Like we can go all the way down to San Antonio and put them into the store. Just take the pickup and put ten great big beautiful two to five pound trout in it, and with a little bit of mileage and a skilled driver, you just show up with the fish. Wow! And put them in there. <laughs> yeah. So, basically a sport fish. Now I also have a place called Mountain Springs Trout Park between Branson and Springfield, and there people just pay by the pound. It's the old fashioned. I've had it forty years. My buddy from first day of first grade and I own it together, and we've got a manager. We sold him part of it. I said if you're going to live on this and let people fish, and you're going to live here, you just need to own part of it. And we just had a busy, busy weekend. But there we'll actually clean the fish, and it's just simple. Just with a little t- two acre spring fed fishing pool and you catch the trout pay by the pound we clean them for you if you want them to get filleted and take the pin bones out we can do that and uh, then you take them home and eat them and everybody goes oh this we'll have fly fishing clubs that'll come down uh husband and wife teams will come down and they'll we will let them do some catch and release just charge them by the hour and then they go out and they fish in the streams and they go oh i've got a new fly rod oh i tied this fly myself and you know you you have a good time with it oh bet you do i I think we kind of get that kick if you're out in the out of doors and, and you're fishing you there's going to be moments that you kind of catch yourself going ah, i like this i needed this this is good for me what, what's yeah. what's the name of the uh, the farm again uh, where people can go fish there uh, Dave? mountain springs trout park highlandville okay. missouri okay it's about 15 minutes south of springfield and about um 25 minutes north of silver dollar city okay 
All right, that's good to know. I'm sure a lot of people are interested in that who might not have heard about it. We're talking about, to Dave, and one one reason he brought up there a minute ago, the Family Fishing Fair that's coming up next Saturday, June 10th, at the Two Rivers Family Fishing Fair that's going to be over at Pear Marquette State Park near Grafton there on the River Road. It's going to be going on from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and you'll be able to see the, the pond that he's talking about bringing up here, the pool, and, and the kids will be able to fish in there and even eat uh, what they catch, which I, I think is just fantastic. Dave, Dave, here's my question as as um, somebody who's certainly caught trout over the years. I've even gone up to Glacier National Park and done a little bit of fly fishing up there. Um, how, how well do your trout adapt to natural environments? I and mean, if they're farm-raised, can they just be dumped in a river and they'll, they'll naturally know what to do to find food and everything? Water temperature is critical. We can go into a lake, you know, you can do a few hundred pounds per acre. So if you've got a three-acre lake or so, you can can put, you know, four or five hundred pounds of trout into that, and there'll be enough oxygen exchange on the surface that you can do it. But you're going to need to be in the low 60s, 62, 64. That works pretty good. They say 72 to 74 degrees and trout just, they're done. It's just too warm. The warmer water doesn't hold enough parts per million of oxygen, and they just, they go. They're cold water fish. So in the wintertime, we can go a little bit farther south with the fish. Even Actually, we went down into some parishes in Louisiana almost all the way to the Gulf. <laughs> and, but wow. they, they said we've only got like four or five weeks that the water's cool enough. And then the biologist calls up and he says, bring them. We're good to go. And then we can shoot down there and, and stock them. And then they go, okay, we're going to fish. And then they, then they get about a 75 80% catchback. So if you put a thousand trout into your pond uh, or your stream, you're, you've got a good shot at catching about, you know, most of them back. Wow! Streams that are flowing, that works good too. That's excellent. That's what they really love because that trout move all the time. They are they're going if they're in a pond, they're going to be swimming all the time. You'll have a school of fish, and they'll be going in a circle, and they'll just swim through that pond because that gets the uh, water going over their gills, so they can get the oxygen out of the water. Uh, they don't just they can't just stay stationary. So they, that's why they're a stream fish, but they'll work just fine in, in, a, in a pond. So uh, I know here that for the last few years there's been some instances where there would be families at a picnic table all by themselves, and there'd be four or five of them or six of them, and then they'd be fishing. There'd be another picnic table over to the side. There'd be another family fishing. They don't want to get too close to people, but they can go out there and they can fish in the open air and catch the trout, and it's just like, wow, just loving it and having <laughs> a good nice. time. And you know they're they're help. We feed an expensive feed. It's like a dollar a pound for this feed, but it's awesome. And it's got all the you know magical nutrients that that you need, all the micronutrients that you need for the for the growth, and then the flavor of the farm raised trout. Uh, it's wonderful. People work really hard with the farm raised fish to to get the the best quality feed. And and, and there's been the feed. When I was young, it was fair, but I've watched that over the years just get to be fantastic you know the nutritionists have just been able to balance it out and blend it in and we get the semis come down our dirt road at the end of the paved road turn left are the directions to my house and the trout farm (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) i love that we are talking to Dave Emerson. He's the vice president of Crystal Lakes Fisheries Family Trout Farm in Douglas County, Missouri. And, uh, you know, we've gone all this time talking with you, uh, Dave, and you did not know that uh, Mark Cox's uh, nickname is Big Fish um, from his childhood. 
And so I want to ask this question. In all of the fish that you guys have raised with your family farm, this passion of your life, have you had any freak things, two-headed fish, albino, rainbow trout, anything like any giant fish, you know, freaks of nature, anything like that? A couple of colors. We we had a, a like a a tiger, some marks that were kind of golden, and it looked like, you know, I said, man, is that like a, a tiger trout or what What in the world mm. is that? No, no, there is a tiger trout, and it kind of it has to be bred a certain, but it had these gold colors. So I was at a fish meeting, and, you know, over a cup of coffee at a fish meeting, you can find out a lot of interesting things. <laughs> and, and it's like, hey, really? And this guy goes, he says, yeah, you can breed towards that or away from it. It's a male, isn't it? And I said, yeah, how'd you know that? He said, I've seen it, I've done it. So we bred that so we get golden rainbow trout. So we can mix a few golden and we keep them separate. And But they, they handle – the birds kind of chase them pretty hard, and the otters will get after them because yeah. <laughs> they're golden, but they're really pretty. And if you have one or two in a school of 50 trout going around, you can see those in the river. <laughs> I've had guides come up to me and say, oh, my customers – wanted to try to catch that golden trout and they <laughs> caught 15 trout while they were trying to catch that golden that's, <laughs> that's like willy wonka's golden ticket deal man yeah, no <laughs> no so those 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 we can get babies out of now there's a blue trout and it it doesn't reproduce but we'll get you know and we'll hatch out um it takes about two million eggs to get a million trout and we'll do a little over a million fish a year so but in about every hundred thousand fish there'll be one little bitty you know, seven-eighths of an inch long blue trout. And then we'll just kind of watch them and let them go. And, you know, they're, so we've only got, we'll only have four or five or eight or ten of them on the farm. You know, but that blue trout, every once in a while you get to see it. We still haven't really ever figured out where the blue trout comes where from. Where it comes from. Wow. And, and but they, you, you know, they don't, they don't have any babies and you just see one once in a while. So that would be the the, the coolest thing that, that we'll that we see but the thing that we can actually market and use is the golden rainbow trout but you only just want a few of those you've told us things i i never knew about to trout today that's fantastic dave emerson listen thank you for your time thanks for what you do and uh, i'm sure you're going to see a lot of our listeners up at the two rivers family fishing fair saturday june 10th 10 to 4 at pear marquette uh, state park near grafton thank you dave super gentlemen Yep, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk again. I, great getting him on here. That's uh, fantastic. That's cool. I mean, could you imagine your whole life around that? The whole. I mean, what if what if you had a kid and they did, didn't want to come up in the business? It's like no, no, no. You <laughs> don't have a choice. <laughs> well, I'm sure, it's very. It's probably profitable. I mean, just think how many people around the country need to get their lakes stocked and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. Good and stuff. Such man. good eating too. Uh, to a trout. Oh yeah. Even the big fish knows which fish are good to eat there. See, Bo? <laughs> All righty. You done? I'm Hold done. On. Okay. I'll, good. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Share the show with anybody that you uh, think will enjoy Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. Have a great rest of your weekend. See you, boys. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.